Welcome to the Winning Drive Podcast, where Parkland USA employees discover the tools, strategies, and resources to increase safety, productivity, and success. Here's your host, Ben Fanning. And welcome to the Winning Drive Podcast. In Parkland USA news this week, we have a special announcement that Story Distributing Company is now officially part of Parkland. That's right. The acquisition closed this week. And we are thrilled to welcome the more than 150 employees into our Parkland family. The initial integration work has already begun, and we will continue over the next several months as we fully integrate our safety, financial, sales, people and culture, and continuous improvement platforms. Story Distributing Company is a full-line branded wholesaler and dealer of petroleum fuel products with very strong and deep ties in Bozeman, Montana. Their 12C stores now bring Parkland USA's total to 79. And by the way, we have two executive changes to announce. As you know, we've had three acquisitions since last November alone, and our strategy calls for more in the U.S. in 2021 and beyond. Dave Jardine, our CFO for Parkland USA, currently handles both our financial and acquisition strategies. He will be moving into a new role to focus solely on corporate development, acquisitions, and integration. We are posting for his financial role for Parkland USA, and this move allows for more resources and direction on both the financial and acquisition strategies. Additionally, Andy Austin, Andy Austin is joining Parkland USA as our vice president of commercial. Before joining Parkland USA, Andy spent seven years as Senior Vice President of Specialty Products at Mansfield Oil Company. Andy has a proven track record of success and is the type of leader we need to fully develop our commercial vision and strategy. He will start working on a national strategy and implementation of our national fuel network and later become more engaged with other commercial business facets. Now, let's talk a little bit about our bold behaviors. Now, if you're wondering what bold stands for, B-O-L-D stands for build, own, lead, and deliver. And they represent how we do what we do every day. We recognize that how we do what we do is just as important as what we do. That's right. How we do it is important as what we do. Our bold behaviors showcase how to make the right decisions and do the right thing all the time with our customers, employees, suppliers, and other stakeholders. It is how we hold ourselves accountable, and it's what makes us different from our competitors. In upcoming editions, we'll dive deeper into our deeper bold behaviors, starting with build. Now, let's jump into another discussion with Dave Gurney. Here we are rolling into episode number four on the topic of post-accident procedures, including an informative and fun episode with Director of Operational Excellence, David Gurney. There are three key takeaways to keep in mind as we get going here. Number one, that professional drivers adopt techniques to detect hazards early, but no driver can control their environment necessarily. Following a vehicular mishap, the primary goal is to prevent further injury and damage. And this goes beyond those immediately involved to motorists approaching the scene, first responders, and the environmental effects of a potential product leak. Number two, after an accident, 
capture and preserve as much evidence as you safely can. Yes, emphasis on safely. Obtain as much of the other driver's information as possible and communicate it quickly to dispatch or your supervisor. And then number three, communicate the five W's ASAP. And we dive into what the five W's are, but uh, I'll give you a little hint here. Who, what, when, where, and why when possible. And do not claim innocence or guilt. Comply with law enforcement fully. And remember that you represent Parkland USA. Do not post on social media. That's a key topic. And David breaks all of this down in a very engaging and informative way. And one last thing, remember that car accidents happen every single minute of the day. And remember the ABCs, always be cool. That's right, always be cool. And after a vehicular mishap, professionals proceed in a businesslike manner. And if others are involved, don't get into an argument with them or and don't make accusations. Cooperate with police and any other emergency responders who show up at the accident scene. Answer questions from police honestly, but do not speculate or offer more information than what you're asked. Enjoy this helpful episode. Hey Dave, last week we talked about spill avoidance and post-spill procedures, and you observed that spills are 95% avoidable. But I don't think you can say that about moving vehicles or moving vehicle accidents, can you, Dave? If only it were true. Now, you're exactly right. And that's part of the reason why I consider our professional drivers to be unsung heroes, as we discussed two weeks ago. Our drivers are far more skilled and experienced than the average motorist on the highway. And despite this depth of experience and training, there's frequently nothing that they can do to avoid mishaps. Mm. And in fact, I'd like to drive this point home with an extreme example. I read about this in a recent issue of Fleet Owner, which is a fleet management magazine, suicide by truck that is intentionally and intelligently forcing a truck driver to kill you is something that professional drivers don't want to think about. Even trucking companies don't like to discuss this openly. And I think that's a mistake because there's a great deal of psychological damage that accrues to truck drivers who are placed in this position. And we can reduce the mental impact of such a tragedy and return them to work more quickly by accepting reality and being transparent about this and similar phenomena ahead of time. It isn't just the person committing suicide or their loved ones who are harmed in such events. Our drivers are also psychologically traumatized. I mean, just hitting a dog is traumatic enough for most people. Experts don't know how often suicide by truck occurs because legally proving that someone purposely ran or drove in front of a heavy truck to cause an inexplicable head-on collision, it's really difficult. But without a suicide note or some verbal forewarning, it's impossible. Additionally, the social stigma attached to suicide causes police and courts to err on the side of calling the death an unfortunate accident. They, they want to ease the pain for surviving relatives, and that's understandable. But unlike suicides by railroad, which are tracked by the Federal Railroad Administration, nobody tracks suicide by truck. In many documented instances, however, 
suicide is the only thing that makes sense once all else is logically ruled out. Study after study shows that suicides spike in the aftermath of a celebrity taking their own lives. The most recent study that I've seen focused on Robin Williams. In that study, 50% of the suicide victims exhibited no signs of depression or any other psychological issues in advance. The professionals are telling us that suicide rates for several age groups are increasing today in the post-COVID world, thanks to unemployment and other psychological pressures. This particularly affects the 18 to 24 demographic. The CDC just reported that one quarter of all young people in this bracket have considered suicide, or in their parlance, deaths of despair. Whatever terminology you want to use, um, I can understand living with your parents would make you suicidal, but that's um, probably not the right place for levity. I'm, I'm just bringing up this terrible subject for two reasons. First, all professional drivers should understand that sometimes there's absolutely nothing that they can do. Physics is physics and that they're not to blame for many mishap consequences, no matter how horrific they are. All professional drivers need to think about this in advance and accept that there's going to be times when there are just no options for them. And in unclear cases, drivers owe it to themselves and their families to remember Robin Williams in the movie Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. My second reason for raising this horrible subject is that accidents are going to happen. And the best that we can do is to maximize risk awareness, prepare for mishaps in advance, and keep our heads like professionals in the aftermath. It's easy for me to sit here and tell professional drivers to remember their ABCs, specifically always be cool. But in practice, it's a challenge. So let's walk a mile in our driver's moccasins. Yeah, I think you really you know, brought up a sensitive topic there. And I really think you brought it around to a very good point, Dave, and just really helping the drivers remember to maximize risk awareness and prepare in advance. And I mean, just those two things, if they can keep those in mind, it's definitely going to help them when challenging times come. So I'm, I, I'm ready for your uh, example here. Well, absolutely. Uh, When I worked in Washington, D.C. at the Institute for National Strategic Studies, one of my friends was a Secret Service agent. And uh, I once observed to him that his job must be really stimulating and rewarding, unlike my research at the time. He laughed and said, to tell you the truth, I spent a huge percentage of my career guarding stairways, parking lots, and emergency exits in hotels for hours Mm. on end. And now that I think about it, military pilots are similarly prone to observe that flying jets is 99% boredom and 1% sheer terror. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, professional truck driving isn't all about adventure and glory, I'm assuming. (laughs) Right. Uh Unbelievably, it's not always sexy. Burt Reynolds lied. Many of our drivers are behind the wheel for hours between stops, singing to themselves. I sometimes do ride-alongs with them, either in person or using drive cam. I've watched hundreds of driver mishap videos, and it's a revelation to nobody that driving on the highway can be incredibly monotonous and boring. The best of our professional drivers develop techniques to keep themselves sharp in the certain knowledge that things can happen quite unexpectedly. To draw another parallel with fighter pilots, which I clearly love to do, 
I've seen our drivers adopt a disciplined scan of their environment, even when they're not being targeted by surface-to-air missiles or enemy fighters. They do a circuit of both side view mirrors, their instrument panels, and then the road ahead. But not just the road. They scan the terrain on either side of the road, on ramps, overpasses, road hazards, and they monitor the relative speeds and behaviors of other drivers. Then they start over again and update the trends. These are life-saving skills. And we're not just talking about their own lives, as I've stressed before. Professional drivers are active, not passive. Passive drivers are future accidents. There's absolutely no telling how many accidents never happen because our professional drivers keep their heads on a swivel and find ways to stay alert. But as you said, accidents are going to happen anyway, right? Yes, they are. But professionalism comes into play here, too. For the sake of brevity, the first rule of post-accident resolution is to prevent further injury. If it's offered or recommended, don't decline medical care. Call 911 for assistance right away if there's any question of injury to you or others. I, I can't overstate this point. Cooperate with the medical personnel who respond, regardless of who called them. If they want to take you to the hospital, go. If you don't think that you need a doctor right away, you should still get a full medical examination as soon as you can. Some serious injuries aren't immediately apparent and may begin to cause problems a day or more after the crash or when your adrenaline rush is metabolized. Also, seeing a doctor documents the accident and your injuries, which may be important if you later file a claim beyond that of our company's excellent coverage. If there aren't any injuries and if you're able... Act as quickly as possible after the accident to gather evidence about what happened. In most circumstances, it's best to contact your dispatcher or supervisor first. They'll call 911 for you. But if circumstances dictate that you call 911 first, don't forget to tell the police dispatcher that you're, what you're carrying and about how much of it you have. Inform the police if you're carrying hazmat or if you're leaking. This will not only change their response time, but it'll probably change their response quantity. If you tell them oh, yeah. you're leaking, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell them about how fast you're leaking. Give them the best possible picture that you can of the accident scene so that they can invite as many of their first responder friends as they want. Mm -hmm. Sometimes evidence is perishable and people want to move their vehicles. There's no substitute for good judgment and one size doesn't fit all. If in doubt, Communicate first, but once done, safely take photos of the crash scene, including damage to vehicles and their positions relative to each other. Photograph license plates, debris, skid marks, as well as anything at the scene that may have contributed to the accident, such as damaged roadway or an obscured directional road sign, such as a yield or stop sign. Take pictures of your injuries. Gather names and contact information from witnesses and those involved in the accident. I'd like to digress just a little. Sorry, I'm talking so much, but this point is so important. Mm -hmm. Safety should be your number one priority when an accident happens, specifically prevent further injury. So before you do anything else, make sure that you and everyone else is okay. Check with each and every person involved in the collision, passengers included. If someone's hurt, call 911 immediately. If somebody seems unresponsive, groggy, or is unsure if they're okay, 
Call 911 anyway. A lot of injuries can be internal, so it's always better to be safe than sorry. If it's apparent that everyone is okay, you and others should relocate to the sidewalk or shoulder of the road as soon as possible to avoid any danger to yourselves or interruption to traffic, workers, and first responders. Passing drivers on the highway have a very bad habit of steering where they're looking. Scads of highway patrol officers have been hit during pullovers because of this human failing. If the damage to your truck or vehicle is minor and the damage is straightforward, the accident straightforward, it's perfectly acceptable to move the vehicle to the shoulder. But if there are any injuries involved, or if you have any questions about the safety of driving the truck, leave it where it is, even if it's blocking traffic. Whether you decide to move the truck or not, turn on the hazard lights, lay out orange cones or reflective triangles if you have them, and do whatever you can to increase visibility of the situation to other drivers. The last thing you want to do is to cause another accident. If there's no shoulder or sidewalk, do your best to stay away from the flow of traffic. But once again, let me be emphatic about something. Don't place yourself in danger collecting evidence. It, mm. it hasn't been very long since one of our drivers was involved in a minor fender bender that, as usual, wasn't his fault at all. He was such a conscientious driver that after the accident, he set about taking on the duties of Sherlock Holmes, capturing imagery of the three-car accident from every possible direction, including lying on his back in the middle of a four-lane turnpike to photograph damage to the underside of a vehicle. Uh-oh. One, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is not the right kind of Sherlock Holmes you want to be. No. One of the other drivers yeah. who was involved sent me a photograph of him doing this. And I couldn't believe it. I blame myself. I called him into my office a few days later, and I reviewed the mishap with him, even though it was pretty minor. I showed him the photograph of him lying on his back in the turnpike, and I asked, what were you thinking? Long story short, I praised him for following all the post-accident procedures, and then I threatened to fire him if he ever did anything crazy like that again. And I'm pleased to report that he's still driving for us. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm really glad to hear that he was not hurt. And I mean, you just gave, for lack of a better word, a great crash course on what to do in the situation where you're in an accident. I mean, just from your own safety to calling 911 to what to do if, the sh if there's not a shoulder. And uh, the, the listeners may want to rewind it just a little bit to hear that again. Lots of good stuff. <laughs> well, you're glad, I'm glad. And in retrospect, he's also glad because I showed that picture at the next driver's meeting and they, <laughs> it, they agreed. his friends laughed at him. So I'll, yeah. I'll say it once again. There's absolutely no substitute for good judgment. And speaking of good judgment, highway patrol officers have just about seen it all. Respect them, obey them, and don't forget about the police report. Get the officer's name and ask him for a card. Most highway patrolmen and other police officers carry business cards, you know, for those times when they pull over supermodels and red Ferraris. <laughs> okay, I'm having too much fun with that old movie. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. I guess it came out in 1983, and some of our drivers probably never even saw it. But while I'm thinking about getting information, please get contact information for the other involved drivers as quickly as possible. Phone numbers preferably, but an email address will do. Why do you want the other driver's information so quickly? 
Um, because in the case of minor mishaps where there are no injuries, we can frequently save ourselves a lot of time, energy, and money by taking care of the other driver or drivers far more quickly than an insurance company can. Everybody's seen billboards along the highway advertising some ambulance chasing law firm who promises to make you a millionaire irrespective of whether you were at fault in an accident or not. It, as always, it, something sounds too good to be true. It likely isn't true, and these are frequently scams. I mentioned in a previous podcast addressing spills that many citizens hold oil companies in low esteem. Slip and fall lawyers and ambulance chasers know exactly how to play juries like a Stradivarius. They know how to tap into popular antipathy towards oil and fuel companies. They also know that it costs us a lot more money to prove ourselves innocent in court than it does to settle out of court. Of course, what these predators don't tell their clients is that they plan to keep the majority of any settlement in legal fees of one form or another. Everybody loses except for the lawyers. Community is one of our core values at Parkland. If we can take care of the other drivers faster, it builds goodwill in the best possible fashion, word of mouth. Hmm. What if the other driver just wants to forget everything and then leave the scene? Absolutely. Let them. Uh, if you can do it safely, try to get an image of the other vehicle to include their license plate. But even if the other driver claims that he doesn't want to file a police report or involve his insurance company, he or she may change their minds later and will have to be as prepared just the same. It seems like we're giving the drivers a lot to remember in the aftermath of an accident. That's true. But the good news is that they have help. Dispatchers and their supervisors are trained to collect essential information from our drivers at the scene, drivers who may be seriously distracted and under significant emotional stress. When push comes to shove, our drivers need only remember the five W's, who, what, when, where, and their very best assessment of why. After commenting on essential information, it occurs to me that I should mention non-essential information. And by non-essential information, I'm euphemistically referring to social media. Uh, after, yeah. after collecting beautiful images of a crash site, especially if they're sensational, it's incredibly tempting for some people to post them on social media. Don't do this under any circumstances. While you're wearing a Parkland uniform, you represent this company, not yourself individually. I can cite a dozen reasons why you shouldn't post media data on social media, a mishap data, pardon me, on social media. But I don't want to insult your intelligence. So suffice to say that bad things can happen and that some lawyers are inclined to come after you, whether you're innocent or guilty. We've covered a lot of ground. I know that Parkland's regional uh, operation centers, uh, also known as ROCs, uh, conduct accident training specific to their operations. But are there any key takeaways that you would like the listeners to, to walk away with? Well, you're exactly right. And that's why I didn't drill down into too many specifics. But first, let me tell you about a head-on collision that injured two of our drivers recently. And they were doing everything right. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to emphasize once again that you can't control your environment out there on the highway. All accidents are different. And our drivers aren't always able to follow our post-accident protocols. But remember this, Parkland stands behind you and your professionalism. We take care of our heroes. Two of our heroes, and I'll just use their first names, 
Uh, they're still with us and doing great. Jesus and Abraham, just a coincidence. Those are their real names. Mm -hmm. um, they were driving a tank wagon back from Key West. And because it was a fairly long distance and they had a lot of stops to make, uh, we sent two drivers so that one of them drove halfway and the other one drove the other half. Mm -hmm. They were coming north on a four-lane each direction turnpike. They were in the second lane from the right-hand side and drive cam video captured everything. They were traveling at exactly seven miles per hour below the speed limit. They weren't distracted. Both of them were looking straight ahead, hands on the wheel. It was dark. It was just about an hour after sunset. And while they're driving, another motorist who was attempting negotiate to negotiate a 270-degree turn on an on-ramp to go north in the same direction, mm -hmm. skipped off of that on-ramp at about the 90-degree position and accelerated in the wrong direction oh, uh -oh. head-on into traffic. There wasn't a lot of traffic, but among what little traffic there was, was our truck. The video of our drivers shows that they didn't even have time to scream. They didn't even have time to do anything. One of them opened their mouth, looking like he was about to sound an alarm, but that's all that happened right there. She hit them head on and hmm. it damaged their um, steering, um, the front axle of the truck and their tank wagon. Thank God it was empty, but hmm. it proceeded across the median over a Jersey barrier and crossed into oncoming traffic in the other directions. They were proceeding 90 degrees um, to the oncoming traffic and two cars drove underneath the tank wagon, decapitating four people. And Ooh. our truck came to a stop on an overpass, looking down at traffic traveling underneath the turnpike. The video shows our drivers, even though they were traveling below the speed limit, thrown around like rag dolls in that cockpit. They were wearing seatbelts and shoulder harness, both. They were doing everything right, but they were jerked around so hard that both of them had minor neck injuries and were taken to the hospital immediately after the mishap. And so uh, when we went down there, I live a short distance away. I tried to get to the scene and the first responders wouldn't even let me get within 100 yards of oh, the mishap. Wow. So we didn't get any of the evidence, but it didn't really matter. Drive cam captured it for us. And the whole reason for me telling you the story is that you can't be prepared uh, for everything. You have to have your seatbelt on all the time. You can't anticipate what's going to happen to you. And so um, ac many accidents are completely unavoidable. And the only common denominator is the professionalism of our CDL drivers. So hmm. here are my points in summary. Yeah, let's roll through them. First, professional drivers adopt techniques to detect hazards early. But no driver can control his environment. So following a vehicular mishap, the primary goal is to prevent further injury and damage. And this goes beyond those immediately involved to motorists approaching the scene, first responders, and the environmental effects of a potential product leak. Second, after an accident, capture and preserve as much evidence as you safely can. Obtain as much of the other driver's information as possible and communicate quickly to dispatch or your supervisor. 
Third, communicate the five W's to dispatch or your direct supervisor ASAP. Don't claim innocence or guilt. Comply fully with law enforcement and remember that you represent Parkland. Don't post on social media. And Dave, and let me fine. see if I can re- see if I can remember the f- the five W's: who, what, when, where, and then your best assessment of why. Perfect. Is that you right? got okay. it exactly right. And I, if I could throw in a final word, remember that traffic accidents happen every minute of every day in the United States. Remember the ABCs. Always be cool. After a vehicular mishap. Professionals proceed in a business-like manner. If others are involved, don't get into an argument with them and don't make accusations. Cooperate with police and any other emergency responders who show up at the accident scene. Answer questions from the police honestly, but don't speculate or offer more information than what you're asked. Thanks, Dave. A lot of great information today in this packed, jam-packed episode. Already looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Ben. It's always a pleasure to sit down with you. Your health matters. Sitting all day isn't great for our health, and incorporating physical activity into your day helps counteract that. Our motion program is open to all employees and literally pays you to walk. You earn free money by walking a certain number of steps per day. This money is applied to your HSA bank account and can be used directly to pay for any doctor's visits, prescriptions, or anything else you'd use your health insurance for. The maximum amount of money you can earn over the year is $1,100. Many of our employees have lost significant weight, gotten healthier, and even slept better since they joined Motion. Reach out to your dispatcher and people and culture manager for information on how to get started. It's that easy. Thanks for listening to the Winning Drive Podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode soon.